have shut ourselves in. Machinery that gives abundance has left us in want. We think too much and feel too little. More than machinery, we need humanity. We know the air is unfit to breathe and our food is unfit to eat, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. Silence, our great and powerful Oz knows why you have come. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. You have meddled with the primal forces of nature. Don't give yourselves to brutes. Men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to think, or what to feel, who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men, machine men, with machine minds and machine hearts. <laughs> Jason Burmes. And who loves you? And who do you love? Good morning, everybody. It is Reality Rants. I am Jason Burmes. Thank you so much for joining me today. Banger of a show, ready to go early in the morning. I hope you enjoyed yesterday's broadcast. And I always try to do something different than what everybody else is talking about right what everybody else is talking about not that we don't cover those issues because you know we're gonna we're gonna cover january 6th we're gonna cover the musker nuts and the twitter files and the ftc we're gonna go down that line for sure but i can promise you we're going to give a nuanced perspective now i miss stuff and when I miss something that I think is important, not only do I want to do a show on it, but I want to make it a focal point because I think it's important. And it's weird for me that I miss this because growing up as a kid, the NBA was just, for me, the most fun thing to watch on a, a really a daily basis when it was basketball season. I was not the best basketball player. I was okay. Uh, I was a hustler. I, uh, played some good defense there. Uh, I was decent as a, as kind of like a sixth man off the bench. Uh, I could make a foul shot, those type of things. And, um, at times they would put me in just to, you know, rough somebody up and just, you know, put, put, put me on somebody just, just to really annoy them and piss them off. <laughs> Cause I'm not the biggest guy. Now I was a small town. So not being the biggest guy, it's not like I'm John Stockton, who we're going to talk about, who's a true legend, and why we're talking about this in general. John Stockton, in my era, and possibly all eras, is one of the greatest, one of the greatest point guards slash basketball players of all time. And what's even more impressive is that he is not a large man to be playing in the NBA at any era. Okay, he's a smaller guy. 
about my size, especially in that league you can't imagine. He and Carl Malone uh, were really part of a pseudo-dynasty with the Utah Jazz that, like so many other great teams in that era, would have probably been more successful if Jordan and the Bulls weren't, weren't around. Okay, But to describe how pioneering my man John Stockton really is, uh, this is a guy who was also on the first Olympic dream team. And you look at who was on that team, it's a who's who of the heiress. You know, you had some older guys in there like Bird and, of course, Magic. Boy, did that take off with the HIV narrative, too, huh? Thinking about it, going back. We talk about those things all over the place. And John Stockton was something special. And he still is. He's legendary in my eyes. Um, at least in a sports capacity. Now, when I was getting ready to do this broadcast, I thought to myself, you know, there's other, you know, one of my really good friends right now, Pat Militich, he's a true legend. Like, he's also legendary. One of the few guys to be in the UFC Hall of Fame. Not that many of those people out there. And then on top of that, You've got him uh, coaching people like Matt Hughes is already in the Hall of Fame and Jens Pulver, who just got inducted into the Hall of Fame. He's legendary. And in order to get to those levels in sports or in life, okay, uh, because as I was thinking to myself, yeah, no, you know what? I also know another legend. Um, love him or hate him. Alex Jones is legendary. May not be a sports guy. Uh, but there's something in common. There's a drive to do something. There's a drive for some kind of greatness. Something more than what the average person wants to achieve. And growing up, being in sports, um, it, when you look at that, you've got to understand it's not just God-given talent. you got to have discipline. There's a lot of people with God-given talent out there that don't have discipline, that don't know how to use that God-given talent. And in, in order to fully put it together the way so, somebody like Militich or John Stockton does is, is truly something else. And really the way that Jones has really, I mean, changed media forever. Changed media, I would say, more than somebody like Howard Stern, who in my mind, you know, I don't know him personally, obviously, uh, did so as well, love him or hate him. Uh, I want to put that out there all, all around because it's relevant here. Because all of those people, you know, John Stockton, Pat Militich, Alex Jones, they're also regular people who have friends. And just like regular people, they want to be loved, they want to be accepted, and uh, when the going gets tough, sometimes those people are, are the ones to stand up and say enough is enough, and not go along to get along, but give out some of that hard love. And John Stockton apparently is one of those people. Now, I get it, There, there are some that were just fooled. And then all of a sudden, they're not fooled anymore, and they spoke out. Eric Clapton would be another legend, right? 
that bought into the Johnny nonsense and spoke up and was crucified for it. Any of these legends that speak up at any time, all right, they're crucified for it. And John Stockton, apparently, again, is one of those guys. I had no idea. I miss stories. So to show you this, this is from last year, okay? John Stockton's defiance of the uh, COVID-1984 mask mandate forces Gonzaga to suspend NBA Hall of Famers basketball season tickets. Okay, now this is last January, 14 months ago. Enough was enough. And, and the way I came across anything John Stockton in this respect about what we're, we're going to go on is I had no idea that he was taking part in forums and apparently a documentary as well, which the media crucified him for locally. I'm surprised I didn't see more of it nationally out there. I, I sure didn't see people come to his side. How, how this guy wasn't on the tuck-ins or any of these other shows should really show you um, that th they're not the best thing since breakfast. And honestly, last night's Tucker, everybody was so waiting for more of the January 6th footage. It was kind of a dud. No offense. It was good that he had the police officer. We can get into that stuff. I want the raw footage, just like I want the raw Twitter files. Going to be tough, I guess, when the FTC and now the DOJ are asking for all the journalists that had any access to those files. Strange times. So there's a media piece um, that I'm going to play in the second hour where they just go right for the throat. Right for the throat on somebody who is a legend. All right. This is a man with a spine. This is a man with guts. This is a man who's seen adversity time and time again at the highest level of athletics, where, where not only millions of dollars are at stake, all right, but really, when you, when you get to that level, you have that kind of success, you know, John Stockton's name was never in the press for doing absurd things. And there certainly were NBA players during that era where that happened to them. John Stockton is one of the few guys that started with a team and ended with a team in the NBA. He had a 20 plus year career. And last year he said enough was enough with the ass clownery, with the jackassery, with the hate, and the lies, and the cosplay, okay, and the LARPing, because that's, you know, when, when I think, when I found out what live action role play really was, you know, they'll talk about it in the grifter sense, and then they'll talk about it in the cosplayer sense, no, you're in a live action role play, if you're, if you're wearing some kind of bandana, or <laughs> a medical mask around your face at this point, last year. You are. I mean, you were in one beforehand. It, it's now been proven over and over and over again. But good for Stockton. So let's let's continue on. So this year, John Stockton won't return to Gonzaga game soon, citing what? The boob and boob mandates a year later. Good for him. There he is in a suit at a conference 
talking some real stuff. When I saw this conference and I saw John Stockton introducing these people, I'm like, why did I not know that John Stockton was standing up against tyranny? I should know this. This guy's uh, voice should be amplified. And if you're looking at my, my news sources here, even with this stuff, this is Seattle Times, the Spokesman Review, not making national attention. Because the bottom line is, again, they don't want to amplify voices that challenge the narrative when you have strong individuals that aren't TikTok influencers, right? Instead, they're generational icons that are getting paid to say something. This guy's not a pop star, right? He's not, a, he's not an actor. This is a guy who... When you saw his raw grit and emotion, it was real. How about that? It was real. It was something shared with with hundreds of millions of people over the time period he played. Literally, globally. I mean, the NBA exploded. Basketball exploded during his era. So, again, this is a real hero. And he's sure, sure not treated as one in the media. But I'm telling you again. Can't play that clip here. Not a chance. Not a chance. So look, Stockton um, said this about a thousand pro athletes. I'm not saying that. I want to make that clear. Now, he said that and he defended it on YouTube. I could never get away with talking like what John Stockton does in this interview, let alone allowing him to say that on my YouTube channel. This person, however, who's endorsed by the mainstream media. This is a MSN article, actually. They, th th this was uh, right around New Year's. All this all this controversy was happening in New Year's because he was putting himself in a documentary. Okay? So take a look there. And then it's NBA legends blast John Stockton for batshit crazy claims. And they came out of the woodwork. Detlef Schrempf. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, et cetera, et cetera. Shame on them. Shame on you, Detlef. You know? You had a long, rough career. I, I mean, I'm pretty sure Detlef, Shrimp, uh, they're not saying it, but I'm, they're showing the supersonics. Didn't Shrimp go to uh, the Pacers? I have a bit in there. So he's a conspiracy peddler. That's a man right there. That's a man. That's somebody to be looked up to. That's what that is. Okay. Just want to point that out. Okay. So I've got a slew of other stories to go down the line, a slew of other stories. But I, I guess the one I want to do right now is this January 6th narrative. Okay. Cause I read this and it's, it's again, it's cartoon level comical what this guy wrote. I was there. I took video footage. I felt more physically intimidated at concerts I've been to over my lifetime when I was in far better shape and younger. I want to point that out. I've certainly felt, um, I, I would say, more physically intimidated in other news situations that I've covered in the past as well in groups. This this was a joke. And and by the way, I on the second level on the top, I recorded a bunch of the actual violence 
And I still wonder to this day, were those people arrested? So what I witnessed for the most part was like a glorified Dave Matthews band concert. Instead of Dave and the band, it was Trump and the election. Okay, that, that's it. I didn't see Nazis. Okay, I didn't see Confederate flags. I didn't see white supremacists. I didn't see armed insurrectionists. That's not real. That was never real. I didn't need videos to confirm that. I'm glad they showed the sick Nick video. They need to show people who are working with the police. For instance, even in one of the videos, they kind of clipped to uh, overhead shot. I saw somebody who had a who taken a long pole that may or may not have had a flag on at one point, okay, and then hand it to the officers and then have it put behind the line. And now, hey, that might might have been just an off-duty officer, somebody in law enforcement, somebody who's trying to regulate the crowd, or it might be one of the plants. That's just one, you know, one of the issues we need to talk about. So this individual, apparently, he is a uh, professor over at NYU. Okay, this is his, the, uh, his LinkedIn over here. Justin Hendricks, okay, he's out of Brooklyn. This is it, and he's also a tech policy press. I mean, these people are, are jokes. And oh, wait till I read this. Oh, he, he, loves, he likes the little robot machine transhumanism. Justin Hendricks, here he is. Oh, yeah. He's got his little 2030 vision, by the way. The decade ahead in media. This guy repeats every single ridiculous trope that the establishment narrative wants out there. And before I read some of it, I kind of want to go back to a time where 9-11 truth was breaking through the um, mainstream narrative, and it was conspiracy theory, conspiracy theory, they wanted to go with no planes and all sorts of Johnny nonsense. The, the, the Jew trope, every other trope you could imagine to try to discredit it. And, and space lasers, right? All these things. But one of the tropes you would hear again and again and again that I liken to this idea of um, social media feeding into ecosystems for profit. Okay, that's 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 a trope. That's not real. Okay, it's not what's causing all this. It was that in large scale events, it was so uncomfortable for me to think that things like this were happening. They were out of my control that I needed to imagine a narrative where I could simplify it and explain it as bad rich people. Oh, and, and, and there's some kind of order to the world. And that actually comforted me. No. I would have been much more comfortable thinking that some Muslims in a jihadist moment that hated us for our freedoms somehow got off a terrorist attack and our military would go and deal with them and defeat the evil. Not what happened. That's imagination land. I have to be an adult. And the adult in me, even though, though that happened when it was I was 22, 
And so many of us out there are now in our 30s, 40s, 50s, and some will argue what an adult is, but some will just never grow into it. Some will never grow in to self-responsibility, what it truly means to be a grown-up. But to me, what, what it means to be a grown-up is confronting reality. And that made me way more uncomfortable then finding out that the you think back in 2002 and 2003 when I really started seeing this stuff pop off in Iraq, I, I was happy with the fact that I was coming to the realization this was a 20-plus year war that would never end. There'd be invisible boogeymen everywhere and it went to us, and then it did? Come on, grow up. So that was just one of those bullshit tropes. So, so many tropes are in Pony Boy here's a uh, little write-up of January 6th. And I, I want to play uh, Schumer, by the way. It, it's over the top. Okay, this guy, look, look at this guy. So let's read it. Again, this is, the, this is an NYU professor. I've covered January 6th fairly closely. You know, I don't know what he sounds like, but we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to talk like I, I expect, even though he's a Brooklyn person, he talks. And helping with just security, January 6th clearinghouse. I've read thousands of pages of documents and watched dozens, if not hundreds of hours of footage from that day and events that led up to it. <laughs> oh, dozens, if not hundreds of hours of that day and events that live up to it. It's a joke, January 6th clearinghouse. Okay. So, so, so th this is really, if, if you go to this, this is a place where they were just trying to bring people down, all right, and make them into domestic terrorists and act like there was some kind of domestic terrorist operation. Meanwhile, the only thing that could, could even come close to counting as what could have been domestic terrorism was the pipe bomber on the 5th. Thank God those bombs didn't go off. By the way, let's get the thumbs up, subscribe, and share, everybody. Two. I pay close attention to the dynamics in the media and social media ecosystem as they relate to January 6th, writing about related research and producing information and reporting on the subject. Wow, what Fox News and others on the right are doing is abhorrent. On the right. I'm not on the right, dummy. <laughs> I, it wouldn't matter where on the political, political spectrum I lie. How about the raw footage? How about the raw documents on Twitter? What they're doing is abhorrent. No. What, the, the narrative that has been constructed, the fact that we now have show trials in this country where we hire Hollywood producers is, is beyond repulsive and repugnant, Justin. My goodness. In many ways, it is just more of the same. Public perception of January 6th has remained remarkably static since it happened. If you participate in or largely consume a media diet of the maggot cinematic universe, you've been exposed to these ideas for more than two years. Look, again, if you, don't, if you can't look at the footage that's already publicly available and figure out what happened, if you, if you don't understand that there was a permit there, all right. 
If you weren't on the scene at the ellipse that the media didn't want to cover in the first place, the media didn't want to cover tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, if not a million people in D.C. to express that an election was stolen. And you're making this about MAGA cinematic universe? Are you out of your mind, dude? Hey, sailor, it's time to get, come to port and a place called reality. But, you, you know, if you saw my commentary on this, let me let me just let's just go to it. We'll do it live. This is what I said initially. I think I nailed it. We're going to keep going, by the way. We're going to read that, unfortunately, that thread. OK, so when I because I read it and it, and it made me ill. Uh, this entire thread is a diatribe embracing the establishment narrative of the dangers of social media and a comical version of January 6th. Anyone who would posit such nonsense and consider themselves an intellectual, which you know this person, an intellectual, mm, is probably delusional due to the numerous pharmaceuticals. And obviously the pharmaceuticals that this person is probably on. I mean, does anybody think that this person isn't fully medicated for some type of uh, mental disorder? You're not, I mean, I can only imagine the physical disorders, guys. I mean, look, read this, this non-tech policy press. You're a joke, dude. It's a joke. The business of producing this worldview view is good business. It is green, as Rupert Murdoch Murdoch put in his deposition in the Dominion suit, and it is green for all the entities involved in it, from Fox to Facebook to Substack to Spotify. So now it's let, you know, again, Facebook, Trojan horse civilian system. Trojan horse civilian system. Fox News, Fox News is a joke. It's been a joke the entire time. It's still the best there is right now. There was a time when Keith Olbermann had his sanity and he was the best there was during the Bush administration. It, it, it's been inverted to a car, a cartoon level society. Substack. Ooh, evil Seymour Hirsch and other people can publish on Substack. And of course, and there, let's go after Rogan. It's the only reason you're talking about Spotify, brother. My goodness. I mean, uh, just uh, again, delusional, delusional. I keep thinking of what Bridget Marie told me. We created a digital media ecosystem where liars, scammers, and people who are trafficking in the most extreme ideologies are the ones who are handsomely rewarded, amplified, and incentivized. Again, total and complete horseshit. <laughs> Absolutely not. I'm sorry. Is Wolf Blitzer in prison? I, is he? I mean, is Chris, Chris Matthews in jail? All, all those people from that Bush era way back in the day that promoted weapons of mass destruction? Hannity? No. Listen, those people all got Seven-figure deals, seven-figure-plus deals almost two decades ago. Almost two decades ago. And then digital media came in, 
people started challenging those narratives. And then you had like people like, uh, you know, Chunk Yogurt over there, Sank Yogurt, whatever, what is it? The, the Young Turks. Now, I remember when the Young Turks were coming up, um, Obama administration trying to say they're the biggest in alternative news. I was working at InfoWars at the time. No, InfoWars was the biggest in alternative news. Love it or leave it, baby. Says the reality. But Senk was able to start establishing himself. MSNBC tried to uh, buy him right up. Yeah, and they did for a time. And then he left because he said you know, he got to play like that anti-establishment game. And they, they came in with all that money. All that money. And all of a sudden, everything you hear over the Young Turks is establishment talking point bullshit. They're not against the wars anymore. They're, they're selling you on Bernie Sanders and other bullshit to this day. It's a joke. So no, actually the liars and scammers, they're, they're artificially amplified, especially with these algorithms. Somebody like myself has been so uh, suppressed. If you see these documents now, I, I'll give you an example. I'm going to play a, a video I did three and a half years ago where John Kiriakou, it's like a 12-minute segment, um, blows the whistle on CIA trafficking of children to their assets. Okay? I had 35, this is when I was still monetized, three plus years ago. I had 35,000 subs. 35,000. Okay? Uh, that means, again, I'm at 70,000. In three and a half years, I've gained what? What? I, it's I, I've doubled the audience in three and a half years of doing this. Three and a half years. Already on Rumble, okay, my videos between here and RVM putting them out there, okay, what happens? They they have two to three times the amount of views on YouTube already. Two to three times the amount of views on YouTube already. I've been on Rumble for seven months, maybe almost a year. I don't know. I'd have to go back. But this guy is, it, it's all nonsense. Rewarded by incentivized. No, I'm sorry. You have to, you have to grind. Okay. Extreme ideologies, like the ones that are pushing us to World War III, the Maddows of the world, the Joy Reeds of the world. Right. And then again, Fox is no better on that issue. You know, there's some people every once in a while, Laura Ingram speaking out, but Hannity's still guns blazing. Give them whatever they want. Let's go. Putting Pompeo and Rove on television makes me sick. Makes me sick. And, and again, they're going, I can't believe it, going after Substack. They don't want citizen journalism. Justin Hendricks doesn't want a free press. They want state sanctioned techno fascism it's all massive grift fueling and fascism no you're the, that that's the thing when you have a corporate press that's literally fascism literally and we have an active corporate press that pushes bullshit from 9-11 to the war on terror to the anthrax attacks to 7-7 bombings okay can, can i continue you bet i can to the COVID-1984 nightmare, of course, and well beyond that too, to election results, to Russia, 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 
Okay. They're liars. They're, they're the grifters. With a multi-billion, if not trillion-dollar uh, industry behind them that doesn't, for instance, YouTube itself doesn't need to make a profit because it's a part of Google, Alphabet, NASA, DARPA. Doesn't even need to make a profit. Is that no? That is fascism. Okay, that is techno-fascism when it, when it's not a true capitalist system. Instead, you have the government entities in bed with the corporate interests and they play patty cakes of plausible deniability saying, well, you told me to censor, so I did. I'm a private company, so I can. Nobody's accountable. And now we're going to use the government to prosecute people that exposed it. What? And meanwhile, the guy that exposed it is their number one defense contractor. They own it every which way. Everyone. Okay. Let's go back to Justin Hendricks. It's all massive grift, fueling and feeding fascism, and both activating and preying upon people desperate for alternative explanations. Some of them are willing to use violence to impose their explanations on the rest of us. Bullshit. Bullshit. Who's getting violent? Again, they want Again, parade the trope of domestic extremism. It's nonsense. Just like, just like it was nonsense that the uh, Muslim extremism was here. We had to worry about that. I'd be saying the same thing about that. As if to underscore the similarities of it all. Tucker Carlson says he hates Trump passionately. Fox lawsuit documents show. I don't really care. Whether uh, Tucker likes or hates Trump, no idea. So I couldn't care less. This dynamic is not unfortunately unique to the United States, nor this moment in history. The construction of false realities is typical uh, tradecraft for fascists and authoritarians. That's the one sentence he got right. He doesn't realize he's a part of that. And when you can't get enough people to believe it, Sticks and guns are the obvious recourse. No, we're under psychological and biological warfare attack right now, mother trucker. Grow up. Put down the Zoloft, broski. Not saying he's on Zoloft. I am saying that I speculate that, again, Justin Hendricks is highly medicated. I have, I want, I want to make that very clear. I have no knowledge of the types of drugs that Justin Hendricks is on. Legal or otherwise. Just putting that out there. Okay. To bring it home, I want to play Chuck Chuck, Shoom Shoom, yet another liar, another paid political theater actor with his outrage about the Tuckins even releasing. You know, let's let's be real. Supposedly he got 40,000 hours. Now, a lot of that is just running footage. I'd say let's cut it in half. Let's say less than 20,000 has anything relevant. Let's even cut that in half and say 10,000 10, hours. That could, that could be somewhat juicy, maybe a lot to look at. What, did we see, what have we seen so far? What have we, like literally, even if I took the Muffin Man footage with, with, with QAnon sense shaman over there, what did I see an extra, ah, uh, oh, 60 seconds worth of I'm with Thomas Massey. Unleash it to the public. 
I'm with Thomas Massey. Unleash it all to the public. Let's get real. So I'm sick of this limited hangout garbage. So here's Schumer saying that even the limited hangout garbage should be prosecuted and, sh and Fox should not be airing any of this. Oh, my. Last night, millions of Americans tuned in to one of the most shameful hours we have ever seen on cable television. I mean, again, can you believe what this guy is saying right now? One of the most shameful hours we've ever seen on cable television. What? What? I mean, we've seen cover-ups and lies by our media that have literally cost tens of millions of lives over the past several decades globally with a responsibility coming in to our U.S. empire and our military-industrial complex with our allies. And this guy is going to sit here and act like what Tuck, Tucker like played some mild footage exposing the absurdity of their narrative of January 6th. And he starts with that. Shame on you, Chucky Schumer. With contempt for the facts, disregard of the risks, and knowing full well he was lying, lying to his audience. Fox News host Tucker Carlson ran a lengthy segment last night arguing the January 6th Capitol attack was not a violent insurrection. Because it wasn't a violent insurrection. There was a few people that rioted. Using the term insurrection means like we were trying to overthrow the government while we were there. Okay? And first of all, you had journalists just covering, like myself, the uh, protest that started at the Ellipse and then what happened at the Capitol. I saw nobody saying, let's take over the government. I documented that nowhere on my camera, sir. I've yet to see anybody who documented a group of people saying they were going over the government. I have yet to see any camera footage of people entering the Capitol with weapons. I have yet to see, again, any footage of armed insurrectionists. There was no insurrection, Chuck. By diving deep in quarters of conspiracy and cherry picking from thousands of hours of security footage, Mr. Carlson told the bold faced lie that the Capitol attack, which we all saw with our own eyes, was somehow not an attack at all. He tried to argue it was nothing more than a peaceful sightseeing tour. Yeah, the vast majority of it was, dude. Like I said, it was a concert without the music and the vendors and the weed. And, and honestly, there were a few people smoking the weed. Say, instead of the smell of weed, though, you know what I smelled? The CS gas that the cops launched. But it should have never gotten that for because there should have been way more law enforcement there, Chuck. Why wasn't there, Chuck? Can you imagine? A nonviolent demonstration a perfectly fine and appropriate instance of people expressing their opinion. I, so many others who were here in the Capitol, and millions and millions of Americans are just furious with Tucker Carlson and Kevin McCarthy today. Think about what he's saying here. He's angry 
that we still as the public don't have the real footage or all the footage. He's angry even what is available is out there. Many of my staff were here at the Capitol on January 6th. Their lives were put in danger. No one's life was put in as danger. As were the lives of many of my colleagues, as well as- The head guy saved a muffin, Chuck. As police, maintenance staff, reporters, countless others. At one point, I was within 30 feet of the rioters. Oh no! <laughs> I was in 30 feet of the rioters. Now the rioters are the violent insurrectionists, Chuck. I mean, the bottom line is one person got shot to death there. It was an unarmed woman veteran. That's the reality, Chuck. One of them, I was told, shout it out, let's get him. I, I see. So now see how Chuck said that? that? That's the semantics. Chuck didn't hear somebody go, let's get him. Someone told him that these violent rioters, these violent insurrectionists, said, let's get them. They were going to get big Chucky Schumer. Before my detail pulled me away and we ran in the other direction. To say January 6th was not violent is a lie, a lie pure and simple. I don't think I've ever seen a primetime cable news anchor manipulate his viewers the way Mr. Carlson did last night. Once again, I have seen such repugnant media coverage on so many issues that have cost the lives and made the lives worse of so many people. Listening to Chuck Schumer say this, I mean, this guy is an angel. This this is this is an agent of evil. Good and evil exist. They exist. And by the way, as we play this, guys, I do want to remind people I haven't said anything about this. Redvoicemedia.com slash Jason. Redvoicemedia.com slash Uncensored. That's how you sign up. Ten bucks a month. It's a banger of a second hour coming up. Doesn't look like I'm going to get to uh, much John Kariaku. I, I, I might be able to play. I uh, probably will be able to play my clip of Kariaku. Uh, basically this older clip three and a half years ago. And then I have a speech by Kiriakou that's uh, a little under 20 minutes that I want to comment on. That'll be in the second hour. Um, we're also, again, going to play the John Stockton video. Man, maybe I can't play that because I also have this um, rabbi who was abusing his adopted children that I wanted to play those videos, those stories. Man, so many things to go over here. I don't think I've ever seen an anchor treat the American people and American democracy with such disdain. And he's going to come back tonight with another segment. Fox News should tell him not to. Fox News, Rupert Murdoch, tell Carlson not to run a second segment of lies. You know it's a lie. You've admitted it's a lie. And Speaker McCarthy is every bit as culpable as Mr. Carlson. Speaker McCarthy's decision to share security footage with Fox looked like a mistake from the very beginning. But after last night, it looks like a disaster. <laughs> yeah, don't share footage that should be shared with the American public, with news organizations. I mean, again, 
I, I'm not super impressed with what we've seen so far. We're, we're getting there. I really hope that tonight, Chuck, there's another 30 to 40 minute segment on January 6th, this time looking at some of the possible provocateurs that still haven't been arrested, Chuck. Speaker McCarthy has played a treacherous, a treacherous game by catering to the hard right. He's enabled the big lie and has further eroded away at our precious democracy. When people don't believe elections are on the level, that's the beginning of the end of this bold experiment in democracy. Once again, he doesn't care whether elections are on the level. It's what people believe. So in other words, what he's telling you is it would be fine if we have fixed elections and corruption. As long as people think they're just, we can keep society together. That's kind of snaky bullshit this guy says. That has gone on for more than 200 years. It's all the more shameful because Speaker McCarthy knows precisely what kind of customer Mr. Carlson is. He's not surprised by this outcome. What a low point for Speaker McCarthy. What a low point for Fox News. No, um, we're, we're at a low point in history when I got to listen to that guy, period. It's, it's uh, terrible stuff. But again, we're in the post-truth world. You better believe it. So many stories that I wanted to hit. Which ones do I go to? I, I, guess, I guess we're going to go with this one first, okay? We're going to play these clips. And then the karaoke stuff, maybe we'll kick off um, the first hour with that older segment. Um, it, it's going to, I mean, unless you've been with me for the last three and a half years, and even if you were, you might have missed that segment. Although what's funny about that is, uh, before we go over this one, back then, again, 35,000, half the subscribers, this has 14,000 views, almost 15,000 views. Okay, and this is from October of 2019, three and a half years ago. 14,000 views on a video on YouTube now for me? Forget about it. We don't even have, guys, I have 70,000 subscribers. On YouTube, I have 160 people watching this right now. 160 people. I've got way more on the Rumble channels watching this right now. That's, a, that's, that's how suppressed I am on these uh, platforms. So TikTok star Rabbi who adopted nine boys as a single dad, is charged with raping son, 17, and accused of molesting his other children after victim called into a podcast with allegations, also said to have faked his Judaism and chronic illness. I mean, when you take a look at this guy here, um, I'm, I'm just going to. I'm just going to play the news clip. That, that's what I'm going to do. Cause again, it's we live when you don't think things can be this evil. Oh, they can be th this evil. Tonight, an adoptive father of nine Was that the one? is in jail. Five, one. a father of nine adoptive children is in jail tonight. 38 year old Hyam Cohen is being charged with sexual assault and continual sexual abuse of his 17 year old son. But according to court documents, the abuse also involves some of the other siblings. Annie Ruiz has been digging through these lengthy documents. We want to warn you, some of these information, some of the details are very disturbing. Annie is the first, is this the first time this man has been arrested? 
No, it's not. He was actually arrested back in October of 2019. We actually did a story on him a few months prior to that. He wanted to adopt more kids. And in our story right now, you'll see a video from him from back then. But we've actually blurred out some of the images to protect the, the kids involved in this story. Take a look. 38-year-old Hayden Cohen is facing several charges of sexual assault of a child and continuous sexual abuse of a child. His father of nine was very active on various social media sites. Video after video portrayed him in what seemed a normal life with adoptive kids. But court documents shed a different light of what was going on inside the home. According to those documents, the sexual abuse of the 17-year-old started just two weeks after he was adopted back in 2016. They say this came to light after the teen called into a podcast to share about the sexual abuse. He used a burner phone and investigators were able to track him down through the IP address. And the documents go on to say the abuse happened all the time. They say Cohen would call the boys into the room every night to massage his feet. He would tell them to lay down and would caress them. He would make them touch themselves and then he would touch himself. The victim said from the age of 14 through 17, they had sexual encounters. One of the teens did run away and was returned to the home by constables. He says they were taken to be interviewed, but they all denied the abuse allegations. Their father would bribe the kids or scare them. They go on to say the teen was waiting to turn 18 so he could tell on his dad and was scared the authorities wouldn't believe him. The teen said CPS had eight investigations that led to nothing. All of this coming from the defendant saying he's in hospice care and has a terminal illness. Well, right now, CPS has custody of all of the eight kids, uh, excuse me, all of the kids. And uh, they say that they could not comment on the case. Of course, it's still an ongoing investigation for them. So, you know, again, stories like this, you would think they get national attention. Um, instead, I, I haven't heard a whisper of this. This happened a couple weeks ago. I found this story, I think, two or three days ago. I was going to do it yesterday. and. Uh, <sighs> monsters are among us, man. And and you know what? Who, who knows what's in that guy's past? But these people are protected in the most cases. Former NBC personality sentenced to probation for asking child for naked pictures. Again, put these people in jail forever. 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 Okay. A man who once served as NBC's chief on-air medical correspondent in Los Angeles pled no contest Monday to charges he solicited nude pictures from a child. A child. After apologizing to the victim's family and hugging her father inside a downtown courtroom. Dr. Bruce Hensel, 74. These people do not stop. 74. OK, pleaded no contest to one count of contacting a minor uh, with the intent to commit a crime and immediately ordered to register as a sex offender and sentenced to two years of probation. How again, why isn't he in prison? In prison, Hensel was first arrested by Los Angeles police in 2019 on accusations that he contacted the nine year old daughter of an acquaintance and asked for nude 
pictures. Now, let, let's let's pull back here for a second. 2019. Now, that's actually the same time as this video. It's 2023. It's 2023. Do you think a guy like that stops? Do you think it's okay that he only got two years probation and the process took three plus years? Is that all right? What is going on? All right. That guy needs to be in jail. Are we just going to wait for him to do something just even more disturbing? A nine-year-old girl. Again, not really a national story. Not really a national story for some reason. Weird. A couple uh, more stories. And then, like I said, when we go to the premium part of the broadcast, I think that's where we're going to play the Kiriaku videos. And we'll also be playing the John Stockton video that I talked about. Hit up a, a slew of other stories, including the FTC, Musk, Twitter, etc. I hope that you guys are enjoying the second hours. Uh, you can go listen to it live over at the InfoWarrior Podbean, which we're streaming on right now. So uh, there's a way that you can do it without spending the 10 bucks a month. But please consider redvoicemedia.com slash uncensored, redvoicemedia.com slash Jason. So this is just such an odd story. Prominent executive 55 who served in the Clinton and Obama administrations killed on board jet during a severe turbulence over New England. Now, this woman was apparently killed and anything's possible. Either either this is freaky or there's some kind of weird cover up. But then again, um, this woman who's 55 years old, her child and her husband were on the plane as well. Okay, and obviously this was a smaller plane, but you get, and this is the woman who was killed on the left, but you get down to the bottom and, uh, you know, the FBI is also investigating this. Okay, our agency uh, is assisting as needed. However, the NTSB and the FBI are investigating the facts and circumstances surrounding this incident. For further information, please contact those agencies directly. All right, there's, it's not clear how Hyde actually died. They're saying, turbulence. Um, but if you, you know, right here, turbulence accounted for more than a third of the accidents on a larger commercial airlines between 29 and 2018, according to the NTSB. But I can't remember the last fatality due to turbulence, said Robert Sumwalt, a former NTSB chair and executive director of the Central Aviation and Aerospace Safety. So you never know when, when time's up. You never know. Um, is there something more to the story? I know pe people want to jump in on that Clinton body count. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just saying that's a pretty wild story. Pretty wild story. Another wild story. And uh, by the way, two people didn't survive in this one. Four Americans kidnapped at gunpoint by a Mexican drug cartel were mistaken for Haitian smugglers when they drove over the U.S. border to buy medicine before they were ca caught up in a brutal gang war. All right, what you're watching here is them literally being kidnapped out of their cars. And I, like I said, they got rescued. Um, two of them did not survive. Uh, yeah, two of them did not survive. Uh, it's, uh, I mean, apparently somebody went down there for a discount tummy talk.
people better realize you go into areas where things like that happen, you're up in your chances, man. I mean, I'm not saying people should be living in fear, et cetera, but don't be naive. You got to be self-aware at the same time. And so many people are just not self-aware. They're in total denial about the situations um, that they put themselves in. That's, I mean, I'm just being brutally honest here, folks. Brutally honest. Um, so I guess we'll end with this story before we start going over to the uh, second hour of the broadcast. This is Max Blumenthal of the Gray Zone. Uh, the first New York Times mention of Seymour Hersh blockbuster investigation into the Nord Stream bombing came in the 25th paragraph of an article relying on an unnamed U.S. official spinning out an implausible narrative to deflect blame away from the U.S. government. Uh, Operation Mockingbird lives. Yeah, you better believe it lives. And uh, it's funny. We're not Navy SEALs. We now identify as a pro-Ukrainian group. So that, that's the thing. It's a, They're trying to discredit Hirsch. Hirsch isn't perfect. But to me, it seems like he at least got 80 to 90% of that right. It was extensive. You know, he had a lot of, you know, inside sources that were giving him detail after detail. And then now the New York Times comes in. And oh, I guess it wasn't Russia. It's a pro-Ukrainian group. <laughs> I mean, my goodness. Come on. Give me a break here. And uh, look, this FTC, uh, Federal Trade Commission, Twitter thing is dangerous. It's it's setting a really bad precedent. I don't think this is a war on Musk. I think it's going to be spun that way. Um, I think that you get your limited hangout. You pull the plug on um, the amount of information that has already come out. You manage the narrative. You continue to elevate, again, Musk as, as some kind of hero and savior. For, for those that are uh, you know somewhat awake that it's bad for for Twitter to censor people, you know, not the ones that are cheering it on like uh, Justin Hendricks, intellectual. Oh, no. So I think, guys, because I want to play this whole segment over in uh, the second hour, and that's what we're going to kick it off with. We're going to kick it off. But you know what? You, I guess for all those that aren't uh, premium, you know, I'm going to tell you to come over. But if you don't come over, at least go look this up. It'll be f hard to find. But uh, what this CIA whistleblower just revealed should shake you to your core. And this was a segment that should shake you to your core. We're going to fast forward um, to um, this Belmarsh event for Julian Assange, where John Kiriakou, uh really dis discusses some of the important issues of today and what's still going on today. And again, Kariaku is another person that is legendary because he did the right thing. He had a spine. He said, hey, we're torturing these people. We shouldn't be torturing these people. Torturing isn't good. You know, all, all, all you Muppets out there, right, that, that have preached, oh, send them to Gitmo. We don't want Gitmo. No Gitmo. Get it out there. No. We don't want black sites. We don't want Abu Ghraib. Have you figured it out yet? You're the terrorist just like the other guy. That's the deal. All right. Uh, one at a time, we're going to say goodbye. And uh, as we do that, we are going to uh, go to premiumredvoicemedia.com slash Jason and uh, 
redvoicemedia.com slash uncensored. Rockfin, I love you. On the flip. Later on YouTube, always a pleasure. Adios uh, Twitter. And Rumble on Rumble. So with that being said, we will wait for the text message. And then we will jump over to this uh, segment from three and a half years ago. And then after we do that, from that segment from uh, three and a half years ago, we're going to play this uh, new speech by Kariaku. We're going to break that down. We're also going to be playing the John Stockton. Okay, the John Stockton uh, news piece where they really went after him, really ripped him apart. So, again, thanks for coming over to the premium. Here we go. Hey, everybody, Jason Burmis here, and it's a whistleblower kind of day here over at the Burmis Brigade. And we're going to talk about the guy behind me, John Kiriakou, probably butchering uh, that name, maybe not so much some of the other names I butcher. But for those that don't know, we'll go in depth of how important that man was because he blew the whistle on torture via the CIA publicly and then served prison time for it. That's a whole side story. Because let me tell you something. After he blew the whistle on that, he said something that should shake every single person in this country that wants to talk about our intelligence services in a positive manner to their very core. Let me repeat that. To their very core. If you're supporting an intelligence community that not only this man behind me exposed as serial torturers, well, I got news for you. It gets worse. It gets way worse. Because at an event, and right here, by the way, over on the side, that's Ray McGovern. You can watch him, who was a, a longtime CIA analyst and under uh, George H.W. Bush. He's in Fabled Enemies. But right now, he's asking about the procurement of children for CIA assets. Let me repeat that again. The procurement of children for CIA assets and how it is something that they absolutely do. Now, if you followed my channel and you've seen my interviews with Derek Bros and the information that we had on the finders and the Franklin scandal and the connections to the Central Intelligence Agency, then maybe this won't come as such a surprise. But we're going to play this video and we're going to let John Kiriakou blow the whistle yet again on a super important subject. So he's been fed and he's really great. So you're in this hotel room and you're meeting with him. And at the start of the meeting, he says, listen, before we meet, I want to tell you, I've given you everything. I've told you everything that's been true. You saved American lives. Now you're going to do something for me. And remember, this is him talking about interactions with assets overseas. You're going to go out and you're going to get me a prostitute right now, or I'm never cooperating with you again. So I want to see a show of hands. How many people would get him a prostitute? 
So, not, not many. The answer is sure. I mean, you know, it's he's a scumbag, of course, but your job is to deal with scumbags, and you would be expected to go out and get a prostitute. You would be expected to go out and get him the prostitute. He's a scumbag, of course, but he's your scumbag. He's your asset. So what are you going to be directed to do, Mr. Kariaku? Hey, maybe the people in the audience wouldn't do it, but absolutely. He said in every single case, a CIA officer would get him a prostitute. Life of Brian, thank you so much for the super chat. It says, it is time to do a classic WRC confrontation of Alex Jones. It, it let, let's let's not let's not rustle that bear. I do appreciate the super chat, my friend. What if he asks for a child prostitute? Let's just stop there. What if he asks for a child prostitute? In my eyes, there are no child prostitutes. There are victims of child abuse. There are children that are sexually abused and sold on a black market that is so demonstrative, so demonic. It is hard for the average person to even believe it exists, let alone that our CIA would take part in something like this to get their assets, children to abuse. But let's continue. Absolutely not, under any circumstances. But that's not the CIA talking, that's John Kiriani talking. So John Kiriaku, he's not going to do it. And when we, we're going to get into Kiriaku's story because it's really interesting. But here's a guy, and there are good people, you know, in the police department, in the FBI, in the Central Intelligence Agency, in the National Security Agency. But it is such a leviathan being used by the military industrial complex. We cannot expect it to be a good thing. Because there's no rule. Your job as a CIA case officer is to break the laws of the country that you're serving in. That's your job. Your job is to commit espionage, which in most countries is a death penalty crime. Your job is to convince people to commit treason for you because they like you so much, or they like the money that you're giving them so much. So because it's the nature of your job to break the law, there are no rules that are written for you to carry out that job. Now the problem there is that most CIA case officers would procure the child, child prostitute. And even if they felt funny about it, they would be told by headquarters, you have a job to do. This is a bona fide uh, source here. Go do your job. That's the problem, or the nature of the problem, of ethics and intelligence operations. There are no ethics. There are no ethics. Do your job. Get him the child prostitute. This is an ex-member of the CIA truthfully telling you how it works, how this happens, how this continues. Where is the outrage? Do you think that it should maybe be front page news across the country? Former CIA agent who blew the whistle on torture and was vindicated, who served prison time, outs the CIA as an agency that procures children for its assets, but nowhere to be seen. Intelligence operations. I've come to the conclusion after all these years that there probably doesn't need to be a CIA. 
And I'm going to end it there. Damn right it doesn't need to be. And for those unfamiliar with this story, I suggest you go check this out. It's a 10-minute TED Talk. It's not perfect by any means. You can get a lot more extensive into it. But it tells you how this was a pre-9-11. It's kind of, you know, in, in counterterror. Actually thought his job was fun. Had been out to over 60 countries, traveled all over. But in the wake of 9-11, he gets positioned in Pakistan. And then later on, he gets propositioned by another officer to be trained in enhanced interrogation techniques. Enhanced interrogation techniques. Let me tell you something about those torture techniques. We still haven't seen all the pictures and videos of the abuse that went on and still goes on today at Guantanamo Bay, Abu Ghraib, and many, many, many other black sites you have not heard of. That is the truth of the matter. That man, for exposing the torture program in publications in the United States and on television, at first, didn't think anything was going to happen to him. And then, because he exposed it under the Bush administration, while they were telling lie after lie after lie after lie, but hey, Obama's in office, he must have been okay. No, let's reopen the investigation. Then let's charge him with espionage. Then let's give him a $1.1 million lawyer bill going against the most powerful entity possibly in the world. So he's forced to take a deal where they give him 30 months. He serves 23 of those months, almost two years in prison for simply saying, yes, there is a torture program and no, it does not work. And no, we should not be doing this. A real whistleblower. And guess what? We largely ignore his story. We largely don't care about his story. All right. And it's abhorrent to me. Now, earlier today, uh, my buddy was over here and I was telling him how I was going to do this video. I said, hey, you know, I'm about to do this video on a CIA whistleblower. And he goes, oh, like the, the Ukraine guy. And I said, no, not the Ukraine guy, a real whistleblower, not some Johnny nonsense bullshit in a witch hunt, but somebody who actually not only exposed the torture and abuse of people, but then I played him that clip. Let me tell you something. My friend left quick and he left upset. And he said, wow, that that was really heavy. And he, his face changed. And it's a reality he didn't want to accept, but it's reality nonetheless. And for me, that's what's important. Exposing the truth about what's going on around us. And that's why this channel is never going to be about left and right, never going to be about partisan politics, but always going to be about right and wrong. Boom! I may be a little grayer around the sides, a little baggier under the eyes three and a half years later. There was a, I wouldn't say a young Jason Burmis, but you, you know, you could argue he wasn't quite, well, actually, I, yeah, I was, I was just turned, that's like a, a 40. That's a 40. I'm a little gruffer now. I'm from grays in the beard. So John Kariaku uh, recently spoke at um, this event. Pro Assange, not enough people are talking about that continually. Uh, we're going to go to that clip. And we actually played a clip of the gentleman, the uh, journalist, I believe it's Mark Davis, that introduces him. John Kiriakou truly belongs in a hall of the pantheon of the, the greatest whistleblowers of this century. John was a CIA analyst.
who revealed and more significantly confirmed rumours of the US torture program, in particular the uh, waterboarding um, uh, techniques, uh, virtual drowning um, of uh, interrogation subjects. He was the first insider to do that. Could you imagine crossing that threshold to reveal something like that, knowing the semi-trailer that's coming your way? But it was an issue, uh, the, the, the torture itself, uh, some sort of mad invention of Donald Rumsfeld, so I, uh, I imagine some dark fantasy, that so directly corrupted uh, all that America had stood for, most profoundly corrupted all that America that prompted John Kiriakou to reveal that program. Uh, and of course, uh, there was hell to pay. He, he went to jail, uh, but beyond going to jail, he lost uh, uh, friendships, he lost career, he was uh, uh, mocked and vilified, threatened. Listen, this is what they do to real whistleblowers. They ruined him financially. They destroyed his personal relationships. They put him in prison. So when you see some chic bitch being paraded around with ex-Central Intelligence Agency spooks, blowing the whistle on Facebook, talking about the same narrative Johnny nonsense, talking about how there should be more regulation of speech, that these things shouldn't be amplified. That ain't no real whistleblower. All right? I mean, think about think about what you just watched in that clip from three and a half years ago. The Ukrainian whistleblower that I was talking about was the one that blew the whistle on Trump asking Zelensky for a real investigation into Hunter Biden, you know, after Joe Biden bragged about it at the CFR in front of Richard Haas on C-SPAN. I mean, again, we, we live in the upside down, but but you have to stand up for what's right. Standing up for what's right usually isn't going to get you the big book deal, right? The TV show. Karyaku is the real deal. Uh, and yet through all of that, he's still standing and he's here today and he's in Julian Assange's corner. John, John Karyaku. Thank you very much. And thank you very much. I don't deserve it. First, I want to thank Progressive International and all the organizers uh, for the, the opportunity to be here and to address all of you. This is a real thrill for me. It's a thrill because we're all here for Julian Assange. That's how important this is. And it's important for several different reasons. I'm going to begin by asking for your indulgence. Uh, and I apologize if you've heard much of what I'm going to say before. But I think it's important and it deserves repeating. At the CIA, they teach us in briefing training to uh, give your main point up front. So I'll do that. The American government is lying about Julian Assange. Damn straight. That's the bottom line. They're lying. And they're going to continue to lie. Where do we even begin to talk about this? Julian has been charged with multiple counts of espionage. 
espionage is the gravest offense, or at least one of the two gravest offenses, with which a person can be charged in the United States. In some cases, it carries with it the death penalty. I think that the Justice Department wants us to be happy that they haven't charged Julian with a death penalty uh, case within the Espionage Act, but let's talk about the Espionage Act for a moment. So you can see how ridiculous this law is. The Espionage Act was written in 1917 to combat German saboteurs during the First World War. It has never been updated in any meaningful way. It does not even contain the term classified information because the classification system wasn't invented until the 1950s. It says national defense information, but then it never defines what the term national defense information means. It means whatever the prosecution wants it to mean. Many of us have argued over the years that the Espionage Act is, is unconstitutionally broad and vague, but we never get far enough in the court system to actually make that case before the Supreme Court. Dan Ellsberg, one of the greatest heroes in modern America, uh, tried and continues to try, but we just haven't quite made it that far. Well, the Espionage Act, um, even though the Congress has not taken it up to update it, it was actually updated judicially in my case. At the time that this happened, I didn't realize how important it was. But uh, in the very first hearing that I had before my judge in 2012, my attorneys argued that I did not have a criminal intent when I spoke to the uh, New York Times and to ABC News. My intent was to inform the American people that the government was committing a crime. And by law in the United States, you cannot classify a program if the program is criminal. You would think that. But think how many criminal programs the United States has been a part of over the years, and especially post-war of terror. You cannot classify it for the purpose of keeping the information from the American people. My judge said that she would not just reject that argument, but she would refuse to respect precedent that was set in the case of Thomas Drake, the NSA whistleblower. She then looked at me and she said, Mr. Kiriakou, you either did it or you didn't do it. Ooh. And I think you did it. And that was it. So she defined espionage in the context of these cases very simply as providing national defense information to any person not entitled to receive it. National security journalists at the Washington Post, the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and everywhere else do that every single day. That's one of the reasons why this case is so important. It's because, and I don't mean to overstate this, the First Amendment of the Constitution, the freedom of speech and the freedom of press is resting on this case. And it is. Uh, and you know what? It's funny. I mean, we'll go back to the video where the super chat asked uh, for a Jones confrontation. Eventually, when that Jones confrontation happens, and it happens probably like three, four months after that, I hadn't seen Jones in a decade. Um, I confronted him about Julian Assange. 
And I asked him if, if it, the country is over if they extradite Assange. And that we were kind of jawing at each other before that. But Alex absolutely changed modes. He said, yes, that would be the end of the country. And then he put on his free speech event. And everybody was talking about Julian Assange. Because you know what? It's an issue. It's still an issue. And it was an issue that Trump failed on. If Julian Assange is successfully prosecuted, if he's convicted of espionage, never mind the fact that he's not even an American, but he's a journalist and a publisher. Every journalist and publisher in America will be liable to this kind of prosecution. Everybody will Everyone. be facing decades, centuries maybe, in prison. That's how dangerous this is. Let's also look at what exactly it was that Julian did. Julian reported on war crimes. As I said a moment ago, it is illegal to classify a crime. That's actually a law in the federal code. It's never been prosecuted, right? Why is it that CIA leaders were not prosecuted when they created the torture program or when they created the uh, illegal extraordinary rendition program or what well, let me just answer that for him really quickly just just quick you know what i mean um you know if you look at for instance the energy department right the energy department lab investing covid knows why what it's talking about yeah because they know about the human experimentations and biological warfare that's been going on right here biological weapons and viruses they specialize in weapons and mass, mass destruction they specialize in it. You get it? And and during the war of terror, okay, th this is the ACLU 2015 when they extended their MK Ultra type programs on the Gitmo people, you know, when the ACLU was actually uh somewhat legitimate, not not the best. This is over at inverse. Okay? Never front lines because it's part of their programs, John, and you know it. And that's why you were talking about the horrific things they're doing to children. When they created the, the uh, secret prison program, it's because they're the good guys. And you don't prosecute the good guys when they're trying to keep us safe at night. You remember the old saying about uh, men being willing to do dark things uh, to keep us safe? Have we lost our humanity? It, it kind of seems that way. Another problem is that the United States does not have an official Secrets Act. Thank God. At least we don't have it yet. But I can tell you that at the CIA, they make very much what they see in the UK and their official Secrets Act. And so this is a way to sort of create an official Secrets Act through the back door. That if they can, if they can successfully prosecute Julian Assange, they know that they can then prosecute anybody we're just going to have to take their word for it that they don't want to prosecute the people that they believe to be legitimate journalists. And again, look how everything has evolved. They get away with this on Assange. It's everybody. It's, I mean, it's, they're already, look what they're doing to Tuckins. Look what they've done to Jones. All right. They will amp that up to to something that makes this look tame and none of what we've discussed here is tame 
Okay. War crimes aren't tame. Another issue, and I say this all the time, but I do because it's true. The American people own the information that Julian has released. We have a right to know what our country and our government is doing in our name. I want to know if my government is murdering journalists in Iraq. I want to know if my government is disappearing people in secret prisons around the world where nobody knows that they're there and then they torture them, in many cases, to death, in which case they just cremate them and throw them away. But we have a right to know this information. It was only Julian Assange who gave it to us. For that, we should be grateful. I also want to talk about the kinds of conditions that Julian might face, would face, will face, when he, uh, if he is extradited to the United States and convicted. I want to come back to my initial statement that the government is lying. We know about this uh, provisional promise to not send Julian to, uh, to a SAM unit. Uh, there are other units called CMUs, communication management units. So basically what he's talking about is when they were trying to extradite him in these, you know, farcical cases, initially the judge said that they would not extradite him, not because they didn't agree with all the Johnny nonsense that he was some kind of treasonous uh, Russian agent, right? He's like a nasty nation state, okay? Wasn't that, no, no, no. It was the fact that they felt like they couldn't keep Assange alive. That, you know, basically the conditions would be such where this person would eventually be able to commit suicide. All right. And then they changed that on appeal. And, oh, no, we'll make sure to keep him out of somewhere where that could happen. It was a non-issue. Uh, there's also solitary confinement. It is not up to the prosecutors in any case to decide who goes to what prison and who is kept in what unit. They have literally no say on the matter. The judge has no say on the matter. The only people who get to decide that are the senseless bureaucrats in the Federal Bureau of Prisons. And even if they decide not to send Julian to a restricted unit, all that has to happen for him to go there is for any random prisoner to walk up to a prison guard and say, I just heard two people talking about stabbing Julian Assange. Then Julian will be sent to terror confinement indefinitely for his own safety. When I first arrived at prison... And, and by the way, the sham hearings that they've had for him out in the UK, they put him in a plastic box. They put him in a plastic box. They don't even let him sit there next to his lawyer. They treat him like some kind of abhorrent war criminal. It's disgusting. It's shameful. And more people need to speak out against it. My God. Um, I decided to file a Freedom of Information Act request about myself. And the reason I did this is because... I had begun writing an open letter from prison uh, that I called letter, Letters from Loretto. It enraged the warden. 
And so I would smuggle these letters out to my attorney and then she would send them to the media and they were getting millions and millions of hits. And so I was put in what was called a modified communications management unit. There was a five day delay on my incoming and outgoing emails. My phone calls were uh, not recorded. They were listened to live by a live guard. And, uh, and both my incoming and outgoing mail was, uh, was opened and read. So in this, in this modified CMU, all of a sudden I felt my style cramped. So I wrote a letter to the Bureau of Prisons and I said, uh, under the Freedom of Information Act, I request all documents that you have on John Kiriakou. And, um, much to my surprise, about six weeks later, I got a, a package, no, 220 pages, 200 pages of it was nonsensical. My medical records, my visitors list, things that nobody, uh, nobody cared about. But there were 20 pages that were very clearly stamped at the top and the bottom, FOIA exempt, do not release to inmate. So either someone in the Bureau of Prisons FOIA office was brain dead or they took pity on me and decided, uh, you know, I should probably see this. You never know. And that's why the FOIA requests, even though a lot of the time, obviously, you're not going to get all the documentation. You never know. Roll the dice. You never know. What it was was a series of memos that the warden was sending out to prison guards, preparing them for my arrival. The one that was the most fun for me was one page with very large print, large fonts, and it said, caution, inmate has access to the media. Imagine Julian Assange. He won't be in any modified CMU. He'll be in the CMU. Now and again, think about that. The media. Oh, that's what we're worried about. We're letting off perverts okay we're asking nine-year-old girls for nude photos we're letting sickos adopt seven kids we're protecting and praising the polanskis of the world we're doing catch and release with hardened criminals multiple felons worried that john kariaku cia whistleblower has access to the media. There are two CMUs in the United States. One is in the former death row, the maximum security penitentiary in Terre Haute, Indiana. The other is at the Supermax prison in Marion, Illinois. Uh, both of these prisons are hell on earth. And I'll tell you about that in a, in a moment. But when these when these communications management units were set up in the 1980s, they were meant to house the most dangerous criminals that were in the American prison system. And I'm talking about the last surviving member of the Abu Nidal terrorist organization, a terrorist who blew up an Egypt airplane that killed something like 183 people. Uh, the the so-called blind sheikh, uh, Omar Abdurrahman, who was sort of the, the godfather of the first attack on the World Trade Center. That's not really the case anymore. Now the CMU houses a medical whistleblower by the name of Marty Gottesfeld. Hmm. It houses the, the 
famed drone whistleblower, Daniel, um, <laughs> Daniel, Daniel Hale. Thank you, Daniel Hale. Guys, think about this, what he's telling you. We set up these prisons for the quote unquote terrorists. And by the way, we've gone over that 93 bombing many a time. Now it's the whistleblowers, the real whistleblowers sent there. Uh, it houses environmental activists. This isn't why CMUs were created, but this is what they're gonna do with Julian. Why are they gonna do it with Julian? Because they don't want him to tell anybody what he knows. And he knows a lot. He knows a lot about crimes that have been committed by the American government, war crimes and crimes against humanity. So when they say that he'll be treated fairly, it's a lie. He won't be treated fairly. I'm going to repeat something that I, I say a lot too about the court in which Julian would be tried were he to be extradited. This is the Eastern District of Virginia. This is the court that I was tried in, the court that uh, CIA whistleblower Jeffrey Sterling was tried in. It's the court that Putin has been charged in. There's a, a judge there. Well, there are a couple of judges. The, the one that, that did my case and Jeffrey Sterling's and everybody else's, uh, Judge Leonie Brinkema, used to reserve all of the uh, national security cases for herself. And no national security defendant has ever won a case there. No one's ever won a case there. That's where they want to take Assange. The non-U.S. citizen, the guy that didn't break any laws. They want to take him to the 100% conviction rate place. Well, she's not Julian's judge. Julian's judge would be the chief judge. And what did he do? Before he was the chief judge, he was a judge on the FISA court. That is the court that is so secret that we don't even really know what they do. That's who's going to try Julian. Now, in my case, my best friend's wife had an uncle who was O.J. Simpson's jury consultant. Most of you, I would assume, know who O.J. Simpson was, football player, actor, most likely double murderer. And, um, and they won the case. So this jury consultant offered to help me for free. He flew up to Washington. We got him a security clearance and he went through 15,000 pages of classified, uh, discovery. And in the end, he told me that if we were in any other district in America, he would say, let's go for it. We're going to win this case. But he said the Eastern district of Virginia, your jury is going to be made up of people from or with relatives at the CIA, the Pentagon, the FBI, the Department of Homeland Security, and dozens of national security and intelligence contractors. He said, my friend, you don't have a chance. And that's why I ended up taking a plea. Now, I was charged with espionage, three counts but I hadn't committed espionage. And so they dropped those charges. They're not offering Julian a sweetheart deal. They've made this as difficult as they possibly could from the very beginning of the case. There's really no reason for us to think, well, you know, they've made their point and Julian's a journalist. Even they have to agree with that. It's not going to be as bad. No, no, no. It's as bad as we think it is. It's worse. It's worse. 
talks for another minute or so. We're going to cut that. I want to play this clip. Circle it back to my man, John Stockton. This is the Mockingbird media. This is how they treat heroes, legends, people that challenge the narrative. Today, many basketball fans say they are disappointed, also very surprised to see former jazz star and NBA legend Stockton in an anti-vaccination documentary. Fox 13's Aaron Cox spoke with an infectious disease specialist here in Utah who worked for the CDC for four decades. This is a, a virus cheating us of this opportunities. It's the guys making decisions saying, no, no, we're too scared. We're going to shut everything down. John Stockton. Yeah. Spot on, Mr. Stockton. Along with a group of doctors and lawyers are featured in a documentary trailer created by VR COVID, a company that says their mission is to prevent vaccine injury and death and to promote and protect the right of every person to make informed, independent vaccination decisions. As they should, and as these are not quote unquote vaccinations, they are bioweapons developed by DARPA. They are Hate and lies shots. I think we've passed the point where there's general agreement on what trusted sources are. So I really have to speak from my own position and, and what I use. Dr. Jay Jacobson worked at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, trained in treating infectious diseases, something he worked in for 42 years. There are 14 diseases that we prevent in children that most parents have never seen as a result of that. So Again, contrast what this guy's saying right now to what you saw with the FDA and Dan Burton earlier in the week. If you watch the uh, uncensored second hour or you listen to it, what, what, what were the autism rates? At? One in 44 now, one in 44. And that was 20 years ago. And it was like one in 150, one in 250. And it was like one in thousands before that oh but they're preventing things oh they love us vaccines have made an enormous contribution to the health and life expectancy of people on the planet yet some question the new covid 19 vaccine uh, again health and life expectancy has plummeted you promised my generation we were going to live to over a hundred and be healthy bullshit this is an mRNA-type vaccine, which is going to alter DNA. And that, to me, is absolutely terrifying. The goal of these new vaccines is not to change your continuing genetic makeup. It is simply to get cells in the body to manufacture the antibodies that will protect us against a particular virus. Spike proteins. Spike proteins. Spike proteins. Spike proteins that were sequenced via what CRISPR technology and digital models by the defense department and what their mrna strategic collaborators that include the bill and melinda gates foundation and merck and astrazeneca and moderna the nine-part documentary claims to be free 
with just released evidence, claiming what we've been told is truth is actually not. When I know by my significant amount of research that it isn't, and it's very frustrating. I think that there is some understandable confusion that when we vaccinate uh, almost 200 million people, that absolutely there will be some adverse events. We still try to learn from that and where we figure out what in the vaccine could be producing even those really rare events, we will make changes. Other than sanitation, Dr. Jacobson says vaccines save the most lives every year worldwide. You know, you talk about sanitation. I'm glad he actually said that because we're so worried, right? Bill Gates loves Africa and third world nations so much he wants to vaccinate them again and again and again and again. He wants compliance. Why haven't we built infrastructures of sanitation in these poor regions? of clean water, of sewage systems. You ask yourself, what happened with polio? You know, everybody's, oh, the vaccines. Well, we just showed you again. I believe we, we could do it again, but SV40 was in the polio vaccine. Simeon virus 40 caused a lot of cancer. There were people that lost uh, all sorts of court cases there. We don't talk about it. But at the same time, all that was going on, what? We were improving our sanitation systems. Food for thought, something we should talk about. This is a video out of Canada. I don't have much context. I don't know who it's from. And uh, I'm not saying that this person's interpretation is right, but it may be. We all know we talk about the hate and lies, boop, boop calling a boop boop for some time. Uh, this gentleman might have been a, a listener or a watcher. He calls it the bee boop. And he believes that Canada is getting ready to put facial recognition, surveillance, and compliance with your boop boop in places like Walmart. Again, I don't know if that's what's happening in this video, but we're certainly going to check it out. Hey, people, I'm at uh, Walmart, Rockland, Ontario. Look what they're installing. Look what they're installing on the... The sensors are in, fellas. Yeah, sensors are in. This, sec this section here, there's no doors. They've just installed doors, and they have sensors everywhere. Look. See? Sensors going right there. That's where it's going. Check, I'll show you the there. See? There's a bee boop machine. No bee boop, no door. You don't do bee boop, door don't open. Most people don't know what's coming. <laughs> Check out Alan. And again, I, I don't know. I don't know on that one, but just saying, just saying. You know, I was talking about earlier the uh, CI psychologist sued for illegal human experimentation. I was talking about the energy department and how it had been involved in these things. I mean, they talk about this from the Soviet generation in 1965, lab director uh, Dr. John Forrester Jr established a formal relationship with the intelligence community and formed Z Division to analyze and understand the Soviet threat 
and develop innovative technologies for intelligence agencies. The Department of Energy worked hand in hand with the intel community. Okay? Biological warfare, psychological warfare. Again, the DOE is not what you think. This is an extensive article. Okay? Extensive. So, when I see this, genetics paper retracted over human experimentation scandal. Okay. I I get why they did that. All right, because the uh, papers had been published, right? And then they found out, oh, it was the persecuted Muslim Uyghurs from China they expen- uh, experimented on, and uh, they hadn't consented to the process. We're doing that. We've done that. We we. I'm sorry. I want to take the moral high ground as an individual. We can't take it as a nation state. Our leaders have betrayed us. They continue to betray us. I think we've established that today on this program again and again and again and again. So with that being said, guys, um, we are going to wrap the show up. Uh, I do want to say this. Uh, Elisha uh, Kramer, who is a great supporter of the broadcast and one of my moderators, I know that he wants to do questions and answers maybe towards the end of the broadcast. We can do that. If we start to build the audience and we get people with the hashtag reality rants and the at red voice news over at Twitter, I will take the questions and comments at the end of the second hour. You can listen to them. Eventually, we will take calls. We got to grow, grow, grow. So you can help me do that by sharing the links, retweeting the stories, sharing the information out there. As always, I absolutely love you guys. I could not do it without you. And I want to remind everybody, it's not about right or left. That's another false trope, a false narrative. It's always about right and wrong and what? Traveling to the truth no matter where it leads. Love you guys. And I will see you all on the flip side. Check out the documentary films for free.